Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, last week we started a new series of messages that we're calling Summer Sunday School. And we're kind of taking a, a retro look at some of the classic stories in the Bible. If you grew up in an in a environment like I did spiritually, then you know that in our children's classes growing up, we use this technology. Some people call it a flannel graph. Some people call it a flannel board. And we use this technology. A, a, a little girl that, that comes to Calvary referred to it this week as Pastor Chad's Magic Jesus stickers. And some of you, this may be brand new to you, but we used this kind of old school technology last week to kind of just illustrate where we're looking at in these Bible stories and kind of throw back a little bit in this special season as our families are together. Today, we're going to be looking at the, one of the classic stories in the Old Testament, the story of a man named Noah. And as we look at Noah in his life, I, I want to share with you three lessons from the life of Noah today. Three lessons from the life of Noah. Let's jump into our text. We're, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 6. Let's read kind of some backstory, and then we'll start looking at these three lessons from the life of Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 starts and tells us this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people of earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So here's the story. And I would guess many of us are familiar with this kind of classic story of Noah and the ark, that the people on the earth in that time were, as the Bible tells us, corrupt, that they were filled with violence, that it was a time where there were so much dangerous things that were happening in the world, so many people who had just rebelled against God. And as we read this story, what we find out is that Noah was a righteous man. In fact, the New Testament refers to him as a preacher of righteousness. And Noah would share this with these other people and as he would, they would not listen to what he was saying. So what God says to him eventually is that, Noah, you are to build an ark. And he gives him, as you read the book of Genesis, he gives him all the description of what the ark is to be like. Actually, very detailed drawings of, of how it should be constructed. God gives him this information. And what's interesting about Noah and what we see here is even though the whole world, it seems, had turned against God, God knew that Noah was a man who stood for what was right. He was a man who was righteous. And here's the first lesson I hope you'll learn from the life of Noah today. Number one, be right in a world of wrong. That you would be right in a world of wrong. Now look, when we read about Noah's time, there was some really extreme evil that was happening. But the truth is, we live in a time and in a culture where so much is not only being pointed out that is wrong in our world, but even beyond that, that is not in line with God's word. And what's happened over time, and I think this is really true in what happened in this scenario, is that even though there were righteous people in the world, 
over time they had disregarded God and his truth and teaching. When you read about Noah, you, you read that he comes from a long line of righteous people. And yet the world around him had consistently rejected God's truths. And this is important for us today. Look, the truths of God's word are not determined by the values of today's culture. The truths of God's word are not determined by the values of today's culture. See, oftentimes what we do is we swap those words and we, we say that truth is what the culture says and God's word just has some values that maybe we can choose to adopt in our lives. When, when the reality is it's just the opposite, no matter what the culture values, where we find truth is in God's word. And we have to recognize that God's word must take precedent over what the culture does and says. And what you see so interesting in this story is that even as the whole world has rejected God's values and God's truths, Noah has hung on to those things and God's going to rescue him. Why is that? It's because God blesses obedience. I really do believe this. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of other people. I've seen it happen over and over again that God blesses our obedience. The Bible tells us this, Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Genesis 6, 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And we could ask all kinds of questions about this story. There's, there's four chapters of it here. We're not going to take time to read the whole thing. But here's what's interesting. When you read the book of Genesis, the author of the book of Genesis, this story is not so much concerned with why God sent the flood, but as much as why it is that God saved Noah. See, there's a lesson for us in the big scheme of things here that God blesses obedience and God rescues those who trust in Him. So that's why we choose to do what is right, even when the whole world seems to be wrong. God rescues those who trust in Him. Some of you may be in a place where you're making some decisions right now, where you're not so sure about a relationship or about a job or about a moral dilemma or about an ethical concern. There's questions that you're trying to find answers to. And can I tell you, find wisdom, talk to experts, get good counsel. But at the end of the day, make sure that how you live lines up with God's word because God's word does not change based on the values of our culture. And can I give you a little bit of a warning? Because I want you to watch what happens. At some point in this story, what you have to recognize is that all these people will reject Noah. They'll actually think he's probably kind of crazy. I'm wondering what is he doing as he's building this, this massive boat? Like, why does any of this make sense? And can I tell you that standing for what is right might mean standing alone. If you stand for what is right, it might mean that you will find yourself standing alone. It's kind of just human nature. This is kind of the way it works. Back in the 1960s, some noted scientists did some surveys where they asked people to come in and fill out this survey. And so as they sat in a, in a room waiting for whatever it was they thought they had signed up for, they were asked to fill out this questionnaire. Sometimes they were in the room by themselves. Sometimes they were in the room with others who were kind of actors or part of this, this study that they were doing. And as they would fill out the survey, what would happen is that they would slowly pump smoke into the room. First, it was unnoticeable. And then they would begin to notice that there was smoke that was starting to fill this 
this room as they were completing this survey. Here's what's interesting. The people who were in the room by themselves, when they noted the smoke, they immediately made some kind of response. They acted promptly and sensibly. They, they looked for help. They, they searched for a fire alarm. They generally took action because they assumed that the building was on fire. That was those that were by themselves. What's interesting is those who were with others did not respond in the same way. See, participants that were with others that were surrounded by people, when they saw that the other people weren't reacting and the other people were actors who were in on this, they knew what was happening. When they saw that the other people were not responding, they chose not to respond. By and large, they, they kind of sat and watched and, and waited when other people did nothing. See, there's this power of the crowd that when the crowd is going in a certain direction, we're prone to go in that way as well. They would often sit still despite clear indications that the building was on fire because others were doing nothing. They assumed that the situation was safe and did nothing. I can't help that wasn't part of what was happening in Noah's time. I remember when, when I was a kid, my mom would talk to me about peer pressure, right? About doing things just because other people were doing them. And our world and our culture can say things to us that are, are, are said to be right or said to be the way things should be. And the reality is we have to look at God's word and see what God's word says for ourselves and recognize that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, when he calls us to do something, it may be that we find ourselves standing alone. Now let's go to the second lesson that we learned from the life of Noah. This one we'll, we'll read from Genesis chapter 7 beginning with verse 11. And let me read several verses for you here so you get the big picture of the story. When Noah was 600 years old, on the 17th day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. The rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. And that very day, Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives. And with them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with birds of every kind. Two by two, they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. For 40 days, the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground, lifting the boat high above the earth. And as the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. And finally, the water covered even the highest mountains on the earth, rising more than 22 feet above the highest peaks. And all the living things on earth died, birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry around the ground, and all the people. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth. People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and the birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those who were with him in the boat. Fascinating story, right? And, and I think to, to look at it, we, we've got to take a look and just give you some, some visuals because it's, it's fun for us to think about the fact that all of a sudden Noah's got all these animals that are showing up and all kinds of different ones, right? You got giraffes, <laughs> Then you probably also had your lions. Talks about, about birds that were a part of this as well. You, you probably had sheep. I'm going to guess that there were a few little cats that came along on the trip, right? You, you probably had some frogs, maybe some pigs that showed up. 
probably even had some, some donkeys that were there as a part of the whole thing. And all these animals, the Bible tells us that there was this door that was open on the ark and the animals began to file in two by two into the ark and to go inside the ark until the point came when the clouds changed and the waters opened up and all of a sudden out of those dark clouds, it began to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And Noah, at some point before that rain had to hit, he had to get all those animals inside this boat, right? They're all, they're all going inside. They're heading inside the boat until at some point it tells us that Noah and his family went in as well. God closed the door on the ark. I think that's really significant that God closed that door. And then what we see next happen is that the earth begins to flood and it fills up with water. Do you see that scene change? And what we see happen there is in the midst of that, out there on that water for a long time floats Noah, his family, and all those animals inside this ark. And they find themselves in this moment in what I would probably call a sea of chaos. And here's the lesson that I think we learned from Noah here. Be peace in a sea of chaos. Not only should we be right in a world that is wrong, but that we should be peace in a sea of chaos. And you say, but how, how do I find that peace? <laughs> like, how do I find rest in the world that we're living in right now? Our world over the course of these last three months has been rocked and changed and, and challenged in ways that I've certainly never seen it challenged before. First by a global pandemic. And now there's, there's an awareness and a desire for us to live lives that are different and aware and changed, especially with regards to racism and the effects that it has on so many people and, and the ways in which so many of us may have been unaware of this in our lives. And, and how do we respond in a season like this? Well, let me talk to you about your, your inner peace, your inner life. Remember, this story is filled with all kinds of lessons for us that go beyond just the, the facts of the story. And one of the things I think that we learn here is that we can find rest in God's presence, that we can find rest in God's presence. As I was uh, studying for this, one of the things that I noticed several commentaries mentioned is that at the root of Noah's name is the idea of rest, that there's this concept that his very name has within it a root of the idea of rest. So Noah is a picture, and you see this picture throughout the first 11 chapters or so of the book of Genesis. As you read it, there's this idea that God takes chaos and somehow he brings calm to it. He challenges us to live in peace, even in a sea of chaos, and we can find rest in God's presence. I love the fact that it doesn't say that Noah scurried and did his best to seal the door. It doesn't say that Noah had to hurry and slam the door shut. It says that when Noah got inside the ark, you remember what it said? That God closed the door. That God was the one who, who put his hand of protection there. God was the one who was there with them. Know this, that God is the one who's in control. Ultimately, no matter whether you are finding maybe some, some chaos in your life because of personal situations 
or the, or the world in which we live, that you can find rest in God's presence. And as a result of that, can I challenge you to do something? I'm gonna challenge you to choose to float above the flood. It says that this ark rested on those waters, waters that went way over the tops of the highest mountains. That in the midst of this global flood, Noah and his family could rest. They could float above the chaos that was happening. Now look, we are finding ourselves living in a world of extremes. If you've spent any time watching the news or reading social media, you'll find that there are so many extremes out there in people's thoughts and opinions. And we live in a world right now that is trying to pit us one against another. And we're also living in a world where it's time for us to take some steps of response. For many of us, our hearts have been stirred to respond to injustice that, that has come as a part of racism. Many of us are experiencing these changes and we're living with, with a pandemic and in ways that are wise as we recognize the season that we've been in. For many of us, we are passionate about things in this season and saying it should not be like this, things need to change. And one of the things that I think is so important, especially if you want your personal passion to make a difference and for you to thrive and survive, is I've got to be careful that my personal passion does not rob me from peace with God. Like if I wanna be effective in seeing change come to the world, initially I need to begin with having peace with God in the midst of the chaos of this world. Sometimes when we talk about certain subjects, I love to just very quickly throw some scriptures your way because I'd love for you to think about these scriptures, not just in these short moments that we have together in this setting, but maybe you'll go back in, in, in your own Bibles, read some of these scriptures and think about these things for yourself. If you find yourself, like, like you're in the midst of this flood right now, think of some of these scriptures. These are scriptures that describe how the New Testament church responded in the midst of chaotic times. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, this chapter, Romans chapter 14, is so practical for the times that we're living in right now. And when Paul says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, he's talking about the fact that there were things in their eating and drinking that were literally dividing people within the church. They were, they were calling out these subcultures based on what they ate and they drank. And here's what Paul says to them. He says, look, at the end of the day, what God's kingdom is about is not this, but it's actually about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Here, here's what's important, friends. At some point, I have to decide what really matters in my life. Ephesians chapter four, verse three says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There are times in our lives when we have to choose unity and to keep peace amongst one another. James chapter three, verse 17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Did you see this? Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. If you want a harvest in your life of the things that are right, it starts when we choose to find peace with God and bring that peace to others. Can I share one other thought with you? Somebody asked me the other day, what, what have you learned through this pandemic season? 
Like, what have you learned through this time of, of chaos that many of us have felt over these last few months? And one of the things that I've learned personally is that I can't do it without Jesus. Like how much I need his strength and how much I need his help. I suppose if I had to put it in terms of the lessons that Noah learned as he was floating on the flood, realize that you will drown outside of the ark. <laughs> this is the lesson that I had to learn. Outside of God's will, outside of God's protection, outside of God's presence, I'm in way over my head. And I've had to learn that I'm going to drown outside the ark. And look, that was obvious to Noah. He, he could, he could kind of peek out the openings in the ark and see the flood. No, I'm not going to make it out there. But it's not always obvious to me, especially when I get really busy, especially when life gets really full. I read a story this week about a husband and a wife who were driving down the highway, and as they did, they they kind of drove past a late model Cadillac and they saw a guy that was standing out there and he just looked so distraught and he had his hood up and he was just kind of looking and frustrated and they, they kind of felt compelled to pull over. And so they, they pulled over and, and just said to him, sir, are you okay? And he, he just said, I, I'm in a hurry to get to a very important meeting. And when I left the house, I knew I was low on fuel, but I, I didn't have time to stop. And I'm pretty sure I've just run out of gas. And they said, well, we actually happen to have a, a spare gallon of gas that we have in our car. So they got it out of their car and they, they, they put that gallon of gas in his car and they said, no, sir, look, just down the road, there's a gas station. And if, if you'll just stop there, I'm sure this will get you there and then you can fill up and you can go from there. He was, he was embarrassed, but he was also really grateful. And he said, ah, oh, thank you. So he took off and they got back in their car and kind of situated and they, they began to drive off back towards their destination. And they got, I don't know, 12, 15, 20 miles down the road, something like that, and as they did, they looked over and there was the late model Cadillac and the guy in a hurry again. And they pulled over again and they said, sir, is everything okay? He said, well, honestly, I, I was so grateful for your help, but I was in such a hurry that I failed to stop at the gas station. I just had to get to my meeting. And unfortunately, I thought I could make it, but I couldn't. And I ran out of gas again. When I read this story, the title was, It's Hard to Believe That Anyone Could Be That Stupid, which I thought was an interesting title, which is actually what got my attention. And what they were saying was, who, who would think that, that if you ran out once, you're not going to run out again? But the reality is, isn't that what we do when life gets so busy? The truth is, in my own life, I, I do that. I get moving so fast that oftentimes I fail to remember that where I find strength, that where I find hope, that where I find protection, that where I find the fuel to accomplish what God wants to do in my life comes from presence, time that I spend with him, being in his plan and in his will and making sure that I recognize that outside of the ark, I'm in over my head and I am going to drown which leads me then to maybe the third lesson that we learned today from the life of Noah. Number three, be faithful in a season of uncertainty. Number three, be faithful in a season of uncertainty. Let's go back to our text, Genesis chapter seven, verse 24. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. Verse 13 of Genesis chapter 8. 
By the first day of the month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. So so let's do one last scene change with our ark here real quick, just to kind of give you the picture. We'll get rid of the storm clouds. And what the Bible tells us is that at that point, there was a, a spot then when the land began to dry up. So we'll kind of get some dried up land here and we'll, we'll fix that so it kind of looks a little bit like that. And then on that spot, there was kind of a, a place where there was water and I'm, I'm sure that there was maybe like a river that kind of ran through there. It's still at some point in a place where Noah came. And at that point, the ark had rested. And you remember the story maybe as if you've ever read the scriptures that at one point, Noah... Our guy, he sends out a raven from the ark and then it comes back. And then at some point he sends out a dove over a series of three different times. And once it comes back with nothing, once it comes back with an olive branch and then once it just doesn't come back at all. And that allowed Noah to know that he had reached a point that it was safe for him and his family to come out. And then you probably know the story that at some point God puts a rainbow in the sky as a promise that he will never flood the earth again. This is our story and this is what we see and this is how it ends and, and we, we celebrate God's faithfulness. But here's what struck me when I was reading it. Noah got out of that boat, but he was sure in there a long time. <laughs> in fact, if you, if you count it all up, if you look at it, biblical scholars guess it was about 370 Days, just over a year that Noah was in the ark. That is quite a journey. I thought of how long that was and it made me think of how spoiled I am. See, I'm used to two-day shipping now. And when things take longer than two days to get to me that I order, I, I kind of am a little disappointed. If I want to read a, a book, I can usually get online and download it to a, to a device of some kind have that book and be able to read it within seconds. Fast food is at our fingertips. We're not used to waiting. And so when we have to wait, when things don't happen in our timing, sometimes that's tough. Can you imagine how long Noah was in that ark? And I thought of all that he went through. And actually it caused me to think of some of you. It caused me to think the the stories of some of your lives or the things that I know that you've been through or that you're going through. And there were things that just started coming to my mind. Like I thought, when you aren't sure of all of the details, be faithful. Like be faithful even in those moments when you're, you're in a season of uncertainty. And when you aren't sure of all the details, you be faithful. You hang in there. You trust God. When God said, no, I want you to build an ark, he had no idea what was coming his way. And yet he trusted God and he said, God, I will be faithful. If you're in a season where you don't have all the answers, I encourage you, be faithful. And here's another thing. When life seems unfair, be faithful. I'm sure there were times when, when God said, or Noah said to God, God, isn't there another way? Like, isn't there, isn't there something else you could do? Like, like, why do I have to go through all of this because of everything bad that everybody else did. And the reality is there's times when life seems unfair, but even in those times, friends, be faithful. 
And when things take too long, be faithful. Man, 40 days, 40 nights of rain, and then 150 days in the flood, and then to wait all that time for the, for the earth to go down, the water to go down on the earth, and for everything to be okay for them to get out of the boat over a year. That took, in my mind, I'd say, man, that took way too long. But even when things are taking too long, you be faithful. And let me encourage you with this. When life starts to stink, be faithful. Could you imagine what it was like to be on that boat for over a year with two of every kind of animal? The reality is there were a lot of logistics that Noah and his family had to navigate. And I'm sure that if you are locked up in a boat for that long, your, your, uh, your shipmates, they probably begin to stink. And in the midst of that, how do you live with it? Look, some of you are living in a life right now that you're not so crazy about. And if I said, how are you doing? Some of you, if you were honest, you'd look at me and you would go, life stinks right now. And the reality is, even when life starts to stink, you be faithful and believe that you're gonna see the promises of God fulfilled in your life. And when you don't know what to do, be faithful. Even when you don't know what to do, can I challenge you to be faithful? How many times in this situation, I'm going to guess Noah had to say, God, I don't know what to do here. God, I don't know how to respond. God, I don't know what you're doing. And yet he chose to be faithful. And God rescued him. As we wrap up this service, there's, there's kind of two thoughts that I have in my mind. One is for some of you who would say, I'm in the midst of a flood of chaos in my life. And I know that I can't do it by myself anymore. Where do I go to find safety? Where do I go to find peace? Where do I go to find, here's the word, where do I go to find salvation? The Bible tells us that we find salvation through Jesus Christ. In fact, so much in this story of Noah points us to, to the God who saves us. And then that through Jesus, who we refer to as our savior, that means he's the one who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. That as our savior, he can bring you forgiveness. He can bring you life. And because he is our Lord, meaning he's the one who gives purpose and meaning to our lives, then we have hope in everything that we do. And for some of you, as I pray here in just a moment, the prayer that you need to pray is to say, Jesus, I need you to be my savior and my Lord. And for others of us, we're in a season right now where we would just say, God, I need your help to be faithful trust in you, even in the midst of where I'm not sure or where things don't seem fair or where it's taking too long or life stinks or I just don't know what to do. God, I'm going to choose to be faithful. I'm going to ask you right where you are, it, whether you're at home or maybe you're in a, in a hospital room or maybe you're in your car or wherever it is, would you just take a moment in, in a way that, that, that's personal for you and just would you just kind of stop and consider these things? If you're able to, you might want to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if today you need to ask Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord, to bring you that forgiveness and purpose to your life, then I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer along with me. 
But I'm also going to ask all of you who know Jesus as your Savior and Lord to will you out loud, right where you are, pray this prayer with me. Repeat this prayer with me. And when we get to the point where we're going to ask God to help us to be faithful, will you believe that the Holy Spirit's presence is going to do something really special in your life in this moment? As I pray, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for my sin. I ask today that you'd forgive my sin and be my savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord. In the midst of the sea of chaos in the world around me, I ask that you would be my peace. Help me to do what is right as I choose to be faithful. Lord, help me to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, especially to, to have Jesus become your Savior and your Lord, then I want to invite you. You can go out to our website. Right on the front page, there's a link you can click about getting to know more about Jesus. Or you can also find it in the comments section on the platform where you're watching right now. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us online today. May you go in God's special favor and his wonderful peace.